Amen. <coughs> they have been a, a dear blessing. Now, I see some new folks today. Welcome. And I want to tell you that a couple of things. Uh, we had a little bit some snacks today. Our, our treasurer is out very, very ill today. Um, matter of fact, you all need to pray for Jim. Jim's had a lot of health problems anyway, and I'm very concerned for him uh, with this sickness that he and Norma have. My family had it last week. We actually weren't even here. I, I, I think the last time I missed Sunday morning was 20 years ago, and I had the flu in Florida, and I, I thought I was going to die, but my wife says I'm a terrible sick person. So... <laughs> Don't take that seriously. <laughs> but uh, uh, So there's a lot of sickness going around. Normally we do have a fellowship meal. Um, we will not do that today because I love what Angie said. We want to sh share everything, but we don't want to share germs. And there's just so much going around. I just think it would be a, a, an act of wisdom and grace to say, let's just, let's just forego that just this time. And that will make it so much sweeter next month. Um, should be March the 1st. So I try not to preach like a full-blown message on Communion Sunday. And the reason is a biblical reason. Because the scriptures tell us in 1 Corinthians that really just doing this, just participating, Paul says, you declare the Lord's death till he comes. So the act of communion is in itself an unspoken sermon. Um, but I do want to touch just briefly on our question number five. And uh, what we're doing is I'm walking through the catechism this year. And I think it's really important because it lays the foundation of our faith. And I've discovered over the years that we got a lot of strange beliefs. We really do. And they're not founded in Scripture. They start in Scripture. But if we don't have the contextual background to really interpret that properly, we can get off on some things. And I, I, and I think there's nothing greater, specifically for our children in our homes, than that we go, we go home and we, we sing these songs. And I meant it, matter of fact, I'll try to do this next week. My daughter, Anna, um, sent a little video to uh, her mom this week. Uh, and it was Myra... Uh, our granddaughter, and she was singing one of the catechism songs. <coughs> and it was about the cutest thing in the world, and not just because it was Myra. But you know what really impressed me with that is that this little two-year-old child is getting the truth, the foundational truth of our faith is being deeply imprinted and implanted in her mind. So that one day it, it may make a transfer from knowledge to life. Okay, so, so it's so vitally important that we do this. So, and what I'm doing is I'm just going to, I try to just kind of develop a teaching on each one of these. If you've been around here any length of time, you know that that's not the norm. Um, I'm, I'm a verse by verse walk through the scripture kind of kind of preacher and, and that, that's my joy however I felt it's it's just really this is a good thing to do and uh, we will we will get back to that I promise you um, but let me let me just make a couple comments on this fifth question what else did God create and the answer of course is that God created all things and his creation as the, as the scriptures indicate, was very good. Now, the long answer is in your bulletin. This is what we call the children's 
answer, or you could call it the short answer. And the songs that we sing are all built off of the short answer. But I'd like you to look at the long answer in your bulletin. And here's what the scriptures say. What else did God create? God created all things. Now check this out. By his powerful what, church? Word. By his powerful word. If we can just get that somewhere and, and leave that, that'd be great. Um, by his powerful word and all of his creation was what? Very good. Very good. Not just good, but what? Very good. Very good. And I love this too. Everything flourished under his loving rule. Everything flourished under by, and by the way. I, I got a news flash for you. Everything still flourishes under his loving rule. Okay? You, you want, even though you might not know it, what you desire and what, what everybody in this world is after is that which only comes under the loving rule of the creator and redeemer. I want, I want you to, to let that thought find a home in your mind this week. That's a good truth to ponder. The lost world, the, the man who was in bed this morning with a raging hangover, you know what he was after last night? He was after the loving rule of the Father. He's just looking for it in the wrong place. He was after relief. He was after hope. It's never found in the bottom of a bottle. It's found in the Bible. It's found in a relationship with God. So the answer is God created all things by his powerful word. And that just automatically puts me in mind of John's gospel. As John opens this thing up, he says this in John 1. He says, in the beginning was the what? The word. And that, that's an interesting, that word word is an interesting word. Uh, it, it's logos. Um, and it literally means the embodiment of God. In the beginning was this word. And it refers to Christ himself as, as chapter 1 um, begins to be uh, unfolded for us. In the beginning was the Word. Now, now he's going to tell us a little bit about this Word. And the Word was what? With God. So whatever this Word is, and you find out later, it's talking about Christ himself, second person of the Trinity. Whoever, whatever this Word is, in the beginning he was with God. But it doesn't stop there, does it? It said, and the word what? Was God. I don't know what's going on there, but in the beginning was the word, so he existed. He was with God, but that's not it. He was God. Alright, and then it goes on to say, and the same or he was in the beginning with God. And he says this. What was this word doing in the beginning? Look at it. All things. How many things, church? All things were made by who? By him. By this word. And anything, all things were made by him or through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In other words, if it was made, if it exists, it came about in one way, in one way, only through this word of God. And then he goes on to say, In him, in this word, was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. Now I know you see that word comprehend and you think understand. It's not what it means. It means overcome. 
To comprehend means to surround and, and overcome and overwhelm. And the darkness could not overwhelm or overcome the light that was Jesus, God incarnate. You think about it, darkness never can beat the light. You know why? Because darkness isn't a thing. It's the lack of a thing. What is darkness? It's the absence of light. Light shows up. What happens to darkness? By the presence of the light, the darkness is negated. Darkness flees in the presence of light. And when Jesus showed up, the darkness exited. By the way, that's true in your life today, isn't it? When he shows up, the darkness leaves. And by the way, that's how we know that he showed up, don't we? Because the darkness is, is fleeing our lives in droves. Now, does that mean you don't struggle with anything anymore? No, that means you struggle with understanding who you are. And sometimes we still walk in those flesh patterns, those old ruts. But we have, we have a new center. We have, we have a new ability. We have a, a new relationship. We have a new heart. And that's been our problem the whole time. So he created all things by his powerful word, the word of God. And the Bible says God looked at everything created and said, Behold, it was very what? good. And that word very is important. It is completely good. So when God made it, it was what church? Very good. Then sin showed up and ruined it. Didn't it? God made the world good. Sin made the world bad. So God sent Jesus to overcome sin. And now he's making all things new. And that's the basic catechism in a nutshell. God made it very good. Not just good, but very good. And then sin came along and destroyed that. But in the beginning, it was not so. And if you think about it, as you look at the beginning, the historical record in Genesis, everything flourished under his loving rule. And I want to say to you today, you will flourish under God's loving rule. I want you to think about every frustration and every uh, disappointment in your life, and the vast majority of them are a result of not coming underneath the loving rule of God. That's why God hates sin. He is holy. And God knows that his holiness is our gain. Right? Um, and you know why God hates sin? Because he loves you. You, you, know why, you know why you hate sin in your kids? Because you love them. And you know that if you allow these sin patterns to continue, it's, it's going to really hurt them. And so you don't allow that. If you're a loving parent, you, you, you cannot abide sin patterns in your children's lives. And God's the same way. It's not because he hates us. It's because he loves us. And he knows that we will flourish only when we're under submission to his loving rule. God's plan, and I just say this, but God's plan for your life is better than anything or any idea that you might have. All right? So what else did God create? He created all things. And he, and he, his creation was very good. And everything flourishes under his loving rule. And in the new covenant that we have the privilege of being a part of this morning, guess what? There's still a lot of flourishing going on underneath the loving rule of God through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just want to encourage you with those thoughts this morning. Now what we're going to do
I'll just walk you through a little bit of how we how we do communion. Really, just I mean, we're not flashy, we're not fancy. I, I, we, we just try to do what the word says, and the best that we can see. That's actually why we do a fellowship meal normally on a day like today, because that seemed to be the normative um, um, habit of the first century church. Now they had problems with that. Um, the rich people were eating all the good food before the poor people showed up, and that really angered God. Um, and God was pretty, pretty severe discipline. And, and, a lot, and, and a lot of times we use that verse inappropriately in Corinthians. It says, let a man examine himself before he eats and drinks. Look, that's not about your sin in general. That's about a very specific uh, function that was out of order in, in that particular church. Because here's the deal. If you got to find out all your sins and fix them all, if that's the deal before you can take this, I'm not taking it. I'm not doing it. Look, your sins, my sins, by the grace of God, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, past, present, and what, church? They are all under the blood. They are wiped away. The wrath of God for every dumb thing you and I have ever done was literally absorbed by the beautiful Son of God. And all he has left for you and all he has left for me, like that prodigal son, is a hug, a kiss, a robe, feet, and a ring that says, you are part of the family. He's got grace for you. That's all that's left. And that drives us to want to be under his loving rule. Okay? So we are going to take a moment and just thank the Lord that our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. And then here's how this thing will walk out. It's pretty simple. Um, I'm going to ask the fellows to come forward. And we're going to pass out the bread first. I'm going to ask you to hold it until they come back. And I'll serve them. And then we'll take it together. And then the same thing with the cup. Now, a couple of instructions. How do we do communion? Here's the deal. We have, a, again, hopefully a very close to accurate biblical understanding that the body of Christ is way bigger than Lake Wildwood Baptist Church. And we recognize the broader body of Jesus Christ. So we do not practice what's called a closed communion, which is just for members. However, we do guard the table. And what I mean by that, there are a few members that are under church discipline here. Um, and and we, would, we, would not, we would not allow them to take communion. Um, and and discipline, the discipline is only because of there is a very public sin that is not repented of. And it is a very sorrowful thing. Again, it's the word of God. We take no joy in that. We pray for them with tears weekly. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been baptized, your faith is in him. We invite you to join us. And one more thing, what about the children? Okay, we recognize jurisdiction. There are jurisdictions, there are, are, are levels of authority. And the church is one of those jurisdictions, right? After the family. Um, so we, we recognize and respect the family's jurisdiction. So if you're here today and you got kids with you, you know your kids way better than we do. So it's your job to say, yeah, you know what? These two have accepted Christ, they've been baptized, and they're walking pretty much in obedience to mom and dad. They need to take it. This third one, they haven't gotten there yet, so they're just going to watch. But the other two are going to join us. And I tell you what, that's a beautiful thing, because that should generate some questions, so don't be afraid of that. Okay, so that's how we're going to do it. So let's take a moment and just thank the Lord together in, in, in the quietness of this moment that our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. 
and 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 let in that way let the Lord examine our hearts, and uh, and then we're going to take this with great a great joy of remembrance. So let's have that moment of prayer together, and.